Listeners be advised. The Holiloquy podcast discuss matters related to the human experience and many that are sexual in nature. Due to this, some conversations may surround triggering topics such as sexual violence, self-harm, abuse, and much more. Please be advised, a list of crisis and psychological resources will be available in the show notes of this episode. With that said, let's get started with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please as we go through the following safety instructions. In the event that there is a loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will drop from the overhead. Place the mask over your nose and mouth. Breathe normally as oxygen is flowing even if the mask does not Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Holy Liquid Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. This is your favorite host, Vernon T. Scott, also known as Slater Jackson, and for you freaky motherfuckers out there, Sebastian's Adams. On today's episode, we're mixing up a little bit of topics. We're going into a little bit of Planned Parenthood, as well as talking about condom usage, because look, I'm pro-condom usage. Like, if you have not been listening to the podcast, where have you been? Like, wrap it up okay but with me and joining me in this conversation i have this beautiful being by the name of tara how are you doing oh vernon such a pleasure to join you here thank you i'm i'm great today thank you and such a better mood to be with you because you're so positive (laughs) thank you you know i try that's how i keep my that's how i make it through the days (laughs) affirmations Mm -hmm. and sometimes you just got to push through sometimes you just got to push through because tomorrow is a brand new day (laughs) right so since this is your first time coming on to the podcast and my guests have no idea who you are and all the amazing things that you do do you mind filling them in a little bit about who you are what you do what you enjoy in life your favorite color I guess so (laughs) I love that (laughs) right so Tara who are you Well, my favorite color is blue. Yes. <laughs> yes. See, this is just, why. yeah. <laughs> the sky is blue. I'm, yeah, my father had blue eyes. I just feel like, okay, blue is a good color. It is. Um, it's the yeah. best color. I, oh, wow. Awesome. <laughs> all other colors bow down to the blue. I love. I love oh, you yeah. all. <laughs> yes, uh, blue, tranquility, and calmness, and, and it has this dynamicism to it where it's like it's light and it's dark and it's royal and it's, yeah, it's amazing. It's majestic. I love blue. <laughs> Same. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so you, um, you're, you're a coach. So what, what, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so groundedness in reality. So what I do is uh, I'm actually a sex therapist. So I'm a certified sex therapist and I'm a sexuality coach. I do both. So I see people in the field of sex and sexuality, exploring their desires, really helping them build a vocabulary, like a working vocabulary so they can create a language, a common language between themselves and their beloved. Oftentimes I find that a lot of people 
don't have a lot of words to speak about their pleasure, to speak about themselves, to speak about what turns them on, and that there's been a lot of shame around those experiences. Plus, there's not been a lot of modeling. So there's not a lot of talk about sex and sexuality. So I help people have a, a normalized experience that sex is really an amazing thing and that it's amazing and it's good and that there's some innocence in it. And there also is some vital life force that we get to tap into. So all of that I, I bring to the table when I'm speaking to people about sex and sexuality, which is what I do most of my days is we talk about sex. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Love it. I love it. Like I, I, I swear I would rather just be talking about sex on an ongoing basis. It's kind of weird. Like whenever I'm getting to know a person, I, I don't want to talk about sex because I, I really want to know more about them. Like, like dating apps or even just the hookup apps, they annoy me because so many people are very immediate and just so wanting the sex at, up front. And I'm just like, mm, can we talk about something else? Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, mm -hmm. Do you... Um, do you ever find yourself as, um, like being in that space or did you find yourself being in that space in the past? Yeah, you know, it's a very, I love that question because I'm really considering, like, here we are, we're getting to know each other and we're talking about sex. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so because we're professionals, there's a contrast and it's like, okay. And in the field of, wanting to meet somebody, maybe wanting to be more intimate with somebody, maybe even have an erotic experience with that person, then do I feel okay speaking about sex? And and I would say, I, I kind of agree with you. I feel like there's some reserve on my part because I'm wanting to know about some other things before we even go there. So yeah, I, I agree. But it's interesting though, because here we are talking about sex. <laughs> right, right. Like I, I remember there was this... Um this one guy who was messaging me and he was just like going in and in and in all about sex, this sex, that. And I'm just like, I don't want to talk about sex. I'm tired of sex. Like what's going on here? I don't, we can talk about anything. I'm tired of talking about sex. And then that's the thing that when I said that, that's when I had to do a little bit of self-reflection. I was like, you know, you talk about sex all day, right? <laughs> so, <True thing. laughs> what's different here? <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's very interesting how the mind works and just how we engage with other people. Uh, but I think it's kind of like the, the conversation of, you know, wearing different hats at different times. And you just take off the sexologist hat for a while. And you're just like, I'm a normal person. I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> not <laughs> right <laughs> if only <laughs> oh god mm. so one of the things we um discussed uh, when we were uh, drafting up these episodes was just different ways to become sexually informed. Uh, and I know Planned Parenthood is definitely one of those, uh, or the organization is definitely one of those places uh, for individuals to go to grab some educational material. But we also get informed in different ways and different media, like even the t TV show Sex Education. Um, but what are some of the ways that you've noticed over the years as well as you will recommend for other people as it relates to how they can 
become sexually sexually informed and stay sexually informed? Well, yes. <clears throat> Over the years, and then I've been doing this work for a long time, a couple of decades, I would say consistent, viable, valuable information has been provided by Planned Parenthood. So I do appreciate them, that they're accessible. People can go to their doors, speak to a human, get information, get condoms, and receive. And, and I love that. I feel like there's an open atmosphere. And in this day and age of the internet, so and, and really after a global pandemic, so much more information has gotten from the web. And so people accessing things seem to be, uh, goodness, I, I recommend podcasts like this one. Oh. I recommend, yeah, I recommend other podcasts and YouTube channels that um, provide information. There's also a lot of platforms that you can purchase videos um, that people can get information from. Uh, so really, I mean, it, it's everything is out there. And what I like is that I like for people to gravitate towards the ones that work best for them. I And again, standard is Planned Parenthood for go-to in-person information. Mm. <clears throat> like, I, I love their website. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because you would think that, like, most definitely when it relates to statistics and just um, data-driven research, somebody may want to go to, to the CDC or anything like that. But I find myself when it comes about, oh, I need a refresher on sexuality. I don't think about the CDC. Maybe for STI or something like that, I might look into something and also look at the current statistics of like um, the prevalence rate and whatnot. But most of the time I just go to Planned Parenthood because their resources are like phenomenal. Like um, the first year I did Hovember, uh, I utilized a lot of their research that they've done. And um, also I looked into some of the articles that they post like in their archives and whatnot and how that developed over the years and just found some conglomerate of multiple facts that I wanted to use just to educate people on like, these are different things in, about sexuality that you might need to know. But like, it's just a endless supply of information if somebody actually choose to um, dive into it. And I love that it's just a single resource hub versus like how some people may be like, oh, you have to go to the fifth page of Google. No, just go to Planned Parenthood. It has everything you need. It's, it's research-based. It is also contextualized for indivi individuals. There's case study uh, information that they relate to some of this um some of the studies that they've done or some of the research that has been completed so it has qualitative quantitative all that type of data that a person can use so it's a beautiful it's beautiful <laughs> it's a beautiful thing yeah i i mean i agree i i think that the case studies the research base that it's an evidence-based approach that people are really getting some statistics and metrics. And, and I find that more people want that. They want to know what's working and what's not. And they want the data that's going to provide that. So that's what I like about the Planned Parenthood website. Some of the other novelty sites don't have those metrics. They just, mm. because they haven't been around that long or they're not even interested in keeping them. They're more interested in entertainment um, or some version of information that is entertainment. Yeah, and I like I love that um, you know with uh, 
many of the research that is coming out now, uh, there's the focus on pleasure, uh, which is definitely needed. But I think when it comes to the other websites that's out there, um, it lacks nuance in that. It doesn't provide information on, you know, people feel pleasure different ways. Just because this nipple play may impact this other person, they're able to have an orgasm from that. Does that does not mean that's something that you're going to do. And I think a lot of people get fixated on the one stop or this is the only one method for you to have pleasure that we end up losing sight of the goal, which is how can I please my individual partner? And oftentimes that's just having a conversation to figure out how you can do it. Mm, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And and what I would say is what I see in my practice too is that oftentimes it is this performative paradigm where people get stuck, where mm. they're wanting to please their partner. However, they're not able to identify what pleases them first. And I, and I, yeah, I approach things that it's important to know your own sovereignty or your own experience of sexuality and then also know your partners if you choose. But to know yours first, because... Without that understanding, then there's really not much to share, right? Because it's it comes from within first, is my sense. Oh, that's a word. Whoever's mm-hmm. taking notes, make sure you put that in the minutes. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, random question was actually part of the episode. Why is condoms important? Why, why are they important for people to use? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say primarily for the prevention of STIs and then secondary for a prophylactic against pregnancy, right? You know, most people are using them because they don't want to get pregnant after not wanting to get STIs. And I, and I'd say that goes back to um, what I see in terms of people's sexual histories and what they receive in terms of education. A lot of people are receiving the message that they should be safe Mm-hmm. and they should abstain and all of those are pregnancy prevention <laughs> yes exactly yes uh-huh, yeah uh-huh. and not much focus on pleasure but mm-hmm. i think when we're talking about condoms we're talking about well i think it's important to talk about pleasure with condoms too because i'd say by and large most people who choose not to use condoms are thinking it will inhibit or prevent them from experiencing the pleasure that they'd like to experience The Holiloquy podcast focuses on the variability of sexual expression. When it comes to sexual expression, we often depend on pornography to illustrate how one must perform sexually. For those who have not learned this by now, the stuff you see in porn is not real. Pornography provides a singular perspective of sexual expression that is not often the reality we see during our own sexual encounters. The Holiloquy Podcast is a conversation that takes you outside of the compressed box of what many know about sex. Some of the topics we discuss include kinks, condom usage, status disclosure, and past sexual experiences. The Holiloquy Podcast steps out on sexual norms and recognizes that the norm is not the only normal. Subscribe today and join the conversation. people who choose not to use condoms are thinking it will inhibit 
or prevent them from experiencing the pleasure that they'd like to experience. Exactly. And, the, and mm -hmm. that's, uh, I'm actually doing a workshop to um, help some people with understanding, uh, well, this is kind of a hands-on workshop, so I can't talk about way too much, but uh, it's for an event that I'm going to, but within that is helping people understand that you can still feel pleasure while having a condom on. It's, yeah, it's a barrier, but it's not going to inhibit your pleasure at all. Uh, it's A lot of that is just mental, that you think that you, you're not going to experience these same sensations, but that's not always the case. Uh, even with um, those individuals who've gone most of their life without using condoms, uh, I know in order to get your body used to it, is always recommended, well, often recommended that you just masturbate with a condom on and just continue to do that until it seems a little bit more normal for you. Um, so it's like there's, once you get past that mental block, things become a little bit easier with the use of condoms. And I love that you mentioned how there is uh, the pregnancy prevention first uh, and STI prevention second because uh i i see that a lot within queer spaces too where individuals are just like oh we don't need um condoms because i'm on prep and i'm just like um that's great that you're on prep but there's still other things out here like you still have syphilis you still have gonorrhea chlamydia um uh what is it trichomoniasis i always forget that one I, Trichomonas, I forget. Um, I remember it starts with a T and it has trick in it. Um, HPV. There's <laughs> so many other things out here um, that's, that you can prevent by the use of condoms. But since we're so focused on the baby prevention, well, pregnancy prevention, and I guess that just trickles over to queer spaces as, well, if I can't get them pregnant for real, I might as well do whatever I want because that's not a, um, a risk here. And since HIV is out of the way too, it's free game. But we have to think. Yeah, how, how do you find it, it's help, most helpful to reframe that? <laughs> I mean, I, I like, I, like when people seem to get stuck in that mindset, I'm like, that's a, that's a power, powerful reframe of, hmm. That is like, I, that's, that's a good question. I don't even know where to start. Uh, I know mm -hmm. in terms of media, there was a show that I did appreciate very much. It was uh, an episode of Insecure um, by Issa Rae, where she, um, they had an episode when they were talking about condoms. So they briefly discussed it. And even in that episode, they weren't really using condoms. So it was kind of like, we're defeating the purpose here. But <laughs> it was great to at least have the conversation and have that out there for people who don't know about condom or haven't received a condom, uh, condom use education. But outside of that, I don't even see condom discussions on a regular basis in any kind of media, even the sex ed education show. I don't remember too much about condoms. Yeah, they may bring it up, make sure you use a condom, but not really anything about STIs. There was an outbreak, but that was it. Mm-hmm. 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 I mean, and it's a real thing, right? Mm -hmm. Those are sexually transmitted infections that could easily be prevented from the use of a condom, whether it's a female condom, a female condom, right? There's options in terms of condoms. I mean, I also think of um, dental dams in terms of mm -hmm. condoms. It's like this 
barrier protection that keeps one safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I guess I'm I, I'm when yeah, what I find is that people who are pro condoms are pro condoms, and it's like they're preaching to the choir, right? Because people who listen, yes, absolutely, that's why I would use a condom. And then people who are not interested in using condoms because they don't have to worry about pregnancy are not necessarily considering STIs and they don't wish to because they're really stuck in that the pleasure is the pleasure that they experience and it would change if they were to use a condom. So it seems like it's hard to convert those who are believing that to anything different. It is. Like, I know, like, even when it comes to the sexual encounters I've had uh, and I've met people who are just like anti-condom the raw is law people they're out there they they are out there i don't i don't support you i break the law all the time so because because of that uh i have had i have those conversations with people and I'm, i let them know hey well you know you can still have pleasure with the condom on it's not going to make that big of a difference for you once you get outside of your head everything is great. And uh, many of those encounters, it was actually a good sexual encounter. Um, But there's also those who are so fixated um, that they're just like, "Um, no. And I'm like, okay, I respect your decision. I respect your choice because we just uh, mutually understand that we're just not sexually compatible in that way, but more power to you. So uh, I will say over the years, I built up the conversation in a way with other people so I can have it but I also don't know how that conversation can happen in a generalized way because at least when it came to my encounters it was because there was that mutual we're going to this stage we're going we have the intentions of hooking up so now we're discussing these things about sexual health and I also had a conversation with someone uh, recently um, about just saying, letting them know, well, it's great if you um, do get tested regularly, but always remember, you, um, if you're out here having sex with other people without uh, protection, it does take time for any kind of disease to, de- to de- develop. And on top of that, your sexual health is always going to be something that's important. It's like your mental health. It's like your physical health. You, you need to check that on a regular basis to know what's going on and do what you can to protect it. So huh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate what you're saying there, Vernon, about uh, choice. It's like you can hear where somebody's at and you can proceed with the encounter if it's in agreement to where you're at. And if it's not, to really not just be attached to the outcome, even though you may want to, you wanted to have had this encounter that if it's not going in the way that you want it to go in terms of using a condom, that you can then be a choice and be like, this isn't working for me. I'm going to choose to say no, thank you. And what I often find is that when people are in that heightened state of arousal and they have not already had this conversation, they're less likely to um, follow through on their own desire if they want a condom because they might just feel like they need to succumb to having even if it violates or goes against what it is they had originally said they wanted does that make sense 
Yes, that, that does make sense. Um, and I, I like that you brought in the uh, concept of, you know, people will still want to have the sex the, the way that they want to because of what they recognize as uh, an orgasm or them um, getting to their limits and how that may violate another person or um, go against that consent. Um, what, what, Uh, is informed consent, because uh, I think this is a very important thing to have, uh, well, to talk about as it relates to the same topic, too. Goodness, what is conform informed consent? I feel like that's a question of a lifetime. It's like, <laughs> I, I see people, I really do, I see people who are married and, and still considering uh, consent, and I'm like, thank goodness, on some level, and also recognizing that people who are just in the courtship area of their lives aren't aren't even having these questions or conversations about consent. And I think that they're important. And, and what constitutes consent? Well, I think it's something about speaking about your relationship status, if that's an important factor for you. Um, speaking about your, your boundaries, what things don't work for you. Um, and speaking about your desires, about what does work for you. Uh, Also, speaking about your sexual history, about what has been your experience, whether you've had STIs, um, whether you've had trauma. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a pretty comprehensive conversation. And unfortunately, what I find is that most people don't give it enough time to have the conversation that they'd like to have or they wish they had had. Um, I, I find as people get older, they're a little bit more mature about having this conversation because they've got more words. They've got more fluency and they have some more comfort around speaking what it is their truth is. Um, but I think what I find is in the beginning of our sexual lives, we just don't have this model. We don't have the skill set and we don't also don't have the capacity to deal with that type of, I would say, that it can cause because there's a lot of shame that a lot of us have around sex and sexuality, a lot of lack of education, um, but I think consent is informed by all of those experiences, our education um, and our experience. Mm. And I, <clears throat> I love that at the top of that, you mentioned that you in, informed consent uh, relates to how we see our, each other within a relationship. And that um, makes had me on the uh, train of thought of those pivotal conversations you have with somebody when you ask that, you know, that popular question, what are we? Uh, what are we to each other? And we have to push that uh, idea of The, the, the terms of the relationship does have to be mutually agreed upon, that both parties uh, have to have that understanding of whether this is just something that's strictly sexual or if this is something that may be moving towards a long-term uh, relationship or what have you. Or this may be something that we're just friends um, who just happen to have sex or whatever the case is. But bringing that up to... discuss in detail. Uh, I think that's something that is very important that we don't often um, think about. Uh, in addition to uh, how we act when it comes to, uh, like, let's say, 
family roles when it comes to like oh I want you to be the person who cooks or, or I want to be the person who cleans uh, how do you feel about working like you do have to take a, a moment to understand that these roles have to be consented into rather than placed or forced upon a person because of whatever the relationship is and I, I think Part of that is why I really do hate gender roles because it forces people into a position rather than they uh, have that conversation with their partners to see how can we mesh together to uh, act out or perform this family system the way that we want it to go. That's beautiful. I love that. Oh, yeah. Because we have natural inclinations, maybe, or tendencies that we lean towards, and then we have the societal roles that are imposed upon us and somewhere in between we live and then how do we actually want to live and how do we have awareness with our agency to be expressive in the way that we want to live within relationship. I think all those layers are important to attend to and that consent is, is a piece of that. Mm. We don't want to impose our thoughts on another person of who they should be. Mm. Oh my God, that part. <laughs> yes, I think that's uh, that's part of the reason why I hate labels because, <laughs> because yeah. when we do have those labels, people tend to um, dictate how another person should be acting or living their lives. And I don't know how many times I've had conversations with friends who identify as lesbian who mention how because they did something outside of the norm, they were, uh, in a sense, ex excommunicated. And uh, I haven't heard many stories related to uh, queer men, which is interesting, but I have heard um, stories of if, um, like from uh, queer men, that if I'm not feminine enough in certain spaces, then I'm not, I don't feel comfortable in being in those spaces. So, it's like we have this image that we have to act certain way rather than fully being our authentic selves in whatever space that we choose to operate in. So it's very interesting. That's, yeah, labels is just not for me. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, yes, uh -huh, yeah. And how do we succumb to them? And how do we uh, adhere to them in ways that we're not even conscious of? Mm, that, so... Uh, uh, something that we ended up discussing was um, <clears throat> how, when it does come to how in individuals operate sexually, be it um, the use of condoms, not using the using condoms, or even just how uh, people just less, I don't want to say sleep around, um, but possibly, you know, uh, may have a, a promiscuous lifestyle or a more conservative lifestyle. Um, but we were discussing uh, how sometimes we get in a space where we're not respecting others and we also do not respect ourselves too. Uh, so what does that look like when it relates to sexuality? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think about that in, in really um, simplistic ways. And so my sense is that when we're not honoring the sensations in our body and going with the thought that I should consent or I should say yes, or I sh there's some obligatory force that's at play, that that's when things become 
problematic or that's when things go awry is my sense is that the opportunity particularly with sex and sexuality is, is to come back to the body and what is true and when we're feeling those sensations of arousal and we know this is absolutely what I want then to be able to surrender to that is a powerful experience but when we let the mind dictate um, sometimes it can become problematic, especially when we get into the obligations of I should be saying yes, or I should mm. be anything different than I am. Mm. I, I think many of us fall in that space of what we should be doing in, rather than what I want. Because um, I, I like most definitely when it comes to pleasure, um, I, I've had experiences where individuals thought that they should um, be able to do certain sexual acts or um, be able to please me a certain way. And I have to have that conversation with them. Like, I don't really have expectations when it comes to sex, because sometimes things don't go out the way that you want them to uh, and having expectations just make it harder for myself as well as for the other person so going into this space without those expectations removes that should for me and I think with uh, other people um, because they have that performance uh, mindset when it comes to um, sex is always I should make this person make this certain noise I should um, be hearing these certain moans I should be able to um, come, I guess, or make them come, or whatever the case is, rather than just enjoying the moment and just having fun. Um, I don't want to say sex should be fun, but in a way, I kind of sure. say it should be fun. <laughs> so it's like, if you're going to have a should, let it be that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but it's like the the performance anxiety. Uh, I've seen some research that focused primarily on men, but it's interesting to know that that happens to women too when it comes to sex. Yes. It's not talked about enough. It, that's the thing that's very interesting to me, that um, s- some women have that uh, idea of how they should perform. And I think a lot of that comes from porn because of how it's done in the male gaze. And it's pushing that idea of this is how, one, a man's supposed to um please a woman but this is how she's supposed to please her man too be it with the oral or how the um, the body moves and things like that I think those things well I feel as though those things really get embedded into a lot of younger people as well as older people who've been watching porn so it 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 um it gives that sense of performance anxiety because now I have to make sure I meet these markers. Yeah. I mean, and that's why women fake orgasms, right? Mm. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So like you said, everybody struggles with performance anxiety and then it shows up in different ways. Right? Yeah, it is. It is true. And yeah, and pornography which is a form of entertainment as often suffice as information or education is what I see because it's so ubiquitous. It's like everybody's consuming it and everybody's receiving it. And then 
it becomes, this is instruction. This is information for me to use as I'm proceeding forward in my own sexual life. And it is one piece, mm. but it's not everything. I mean, there's so much more information that would provide a comprehensive sexual education that most of us just don't receive. And because there's this huge gap between what is what what could be or what one imagines could be and where we're at, it creates a lot of anxiety because we have no idea how to get further along our path than where we're at today. But we see the pornography and we think maybe that's the epitome of where I could be. Um, and again, there's this huge gap, which creates the anxiety that we experience. You know, I'm contemplating uh, the idea of if there were to be sex ed based porn, I know like people like us, we will watch it because we're watching it for the educational side, as well as if um, there's the, the pleasure side of it, too, that, you know, people may want to um masturbate to but the other the thing that is nagging at the back of my head is will that be beneficial for the broader society because of the educational aspect because people do not often go to porn in a, in a sense um to educate themselves but educate themselves by watching um watching through their lens of pleasure i guess would be the way to say that um versus oh i'm watching this pornography to uh, have it give me the exact instructions and teach me about sexual health because most people gravitate to it because they're looking to uh, find some type of arousal be it masturbation or um, some kind of getting turned on so that they can go to do whatever the hell they want to do after that but I don't see too many people going to Pornhub to type in, oh, let me watch this sex ed porn and see what I can learn today. Correct. Yeah. And what I'm suggesting is that because there is a lack of education, people fill in the blanks. They're like, if they see this pornography and it's arousing and they're missing all the pieces of education that could be that are just not there, then it, it kind of informs their pathway forward. So they're making a bridge from the pornography to their experience consciously or unconsciously, I would suggest most people do because they desire that. And that arousal is a high state of desire and that we want that. And that's a powerful way to learn is that when something's that compelling, then it's imprinting on us in a way that we want to create more of that so i actually think that's a really powerful way to learn whether we're seeing it as a linear progression of education or instruction maybe maybe not but we're learning something from that information that we're receiving mm, beautiful well tara i say that wraps up that episode are you ready to get into a little bit of never have you know what let's not do that because i actually have some sex questions uh, it's this game that I have. Uh, I think at this point, um, I might as well tell everybody the name of it. It's called 100 Questions About Sex. Uh, I got it on Amazon. It's, it's really, really, really good. Um, so would you like a sex question or never have I ever? Um, I'm kind of scared of the sex questions because I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I never, never have I never. I feel like, well, 
I don't know about that either. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you should choose, Vernon. <laughs> All right, let's try. Uh, let's see. Oh, well, this is this is kind of perfect because this will kind of ask, have you ever done something? If this is also the sex question, so <laughs> it's a mix of both. It's a twofer. <laughs> twofer. <laughs> so the question is, have you ever watched your lover have sex with someone else? If not, would you want to? Oh, well, this is easier than I thought. <laughs> 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 yes and um and why not or yes what was i just feel yes is the answer <laughs> oh that's the answer like uh it was just asked have you ever watched um i have not watched a lover um have sex with someone else but i am very open to doing that I am very open to doing it. Like, uh, I've been in threesomes and whatnot, and I haven't <clears throat> had any of those kind of experiences while actually in a relationship with someone. So it's like, mm, I'm, I'm just open to it. I think um, as time goes by uh, and people become a little bit more confident in their relationships, um, I feel as though people will live a little bit more non-monogamously uh, while still holding a lot of their monogamous principles for those who are more on the monogamous side. What is your take on that? I think that's beautiful. I, I love that sentiment. And I do see that. I feel like um, I see a lot of people who are interested in practicing ethical non-monogamy and that somebody had to break down that as an acronym for me enm and i was like what is that <laughs> <laughs> so i tell you i don't know but then when they broke down i'm like i totally know what that is and yeah i see a lot more of that in in my practice and in the world that people are wanting to explore they're wanting to feel safe and committed in a relationship and also not feel like they're dead and that they're really exploring, evolving, challenging themselves and their relationship to the edge of their comfort, and then kind of folding back that discomfort in so it becomes a more comfortable place and then becoming more expansive. I, I see that. Mm, sounds beautiful. Well, Tara, that this, this has been... Uh, I love you. <laughs> this has been great. I feel so good. I feel warm inside. I don't know why. Oh, it's your spirit. Oh, how sweet. So, You're so sweet. Do you have any last words that you'd like to share with the audience before I close this out? Yeah, I feel like it's really important to remember is to be kind to yourself. I feel like it's just really important. It's when we're learning new things like sex and sexuality and different techniques or different things we want to practice. So just really be kind to yourself and that you might be a little bit awkward. You might be a little bit uncomfortable, but you'll get it in the perfect time. And to just be gentle with yourself. And that's the most important thing I wanted to say. Yes. Yes. Amen to that. <laughs> Please be mm -hmm. kind to yourselves because yes. this, we do live in a very tough world and there's a lot of things going on. And sometimes you just have to, sometimes, Honestly, I just want to scream, um, but then I give myself space to feel everything I need to, and that's my way of showing kindness to myself. And for anybody listening, and if you feel the same way, if you feel like you need to scream, go somewhere where you're not going to disturb somebody, because if you live in an apartment complex, 
please don't, please don't. But go somewhere and scream, let it out, let that energy out and allow yourself some time and space. Give yourself some grace. Like Tara said, be kind to yourself. <sighs> so thank you so much, Tara. To My pleasure, Vernon. To the listeners out there, thank you all so much for listening to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. Just in case no one else told you this today, you are beautiful, you are worthy of happiness and joy, you are enough and then some. You may not live up to the expectations of others, but that is okay. You are only required to walk in your own shoes. May each day you live lead you towards abundance. With that said, love you all and see you next episode. Bye! Thank you for listening to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. You can subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting app and find us on the web at www.holiloquy.com. That's www.h-e-a-u-x-l-i-l-o-q-u-y.com. Share the podcast with your friends and join the conversation.